Welcome to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Coronavirus. Well, as of today, over 91 million people worldwide have been exposed and had infections with COVID-19. Just today, we had another increase in the number of cases, 23,000 513 residents of the islands have confirmed cases, and the statewide total for loss of life stands at 309 people who have unfortunately passed away with a diagnosis of COVID. Now, the infection varies in the signs and symptoms and the clinical course that it takes for people of even the same age, the same household, and we do know that certain people are at a greater risk. But What is it like to actually have the infection? We have the unique opportunity today to talk to one of my colleagues, Dr. Nancy Smiley. She not only works as a primary care provider at Straub Medical Center, but she also had coronavirus back a few months ago and has received the vaccine. So we are going to talk about all the different ways in which COVID has changed things for her. And this will be a good word for other folks who want to know what's safe to do and what are some things they might want to avoid to limit their own possible exposure as we all get excited about the COVID vaccine. So thank you for joining me today, Dr. Smiley. You are welcome. Happy to be here. Now, you know, it's so ironic to think that a year ago we had maybe heard a little bit about this strange viral infection coming out of China at the time where people were being diagnosed with this unusual type of pneumonia. And now a year later, I can't think of a place on the globe that hasn't heard about COVID or coronavirus, whether they've experienced it personally in their country or in their homes or whether or not they've just heard about it through the news. So it seems incredible that, you know, just in a few short weeks, we'll hit the one year point of a pandemic. I can't say I ever expected it during my lifetime. How about you? No, it was pretty shocking. Surreal. Came out of nowhere. Well, the good news is shots are available, and we'll talk a little bit later about where that might take place and when those vaccinations will be offered. But tell me a little bit, when when coronavirus first started and we started to have to close down our practices and have to be careful with how we see patients, whether it be in the office or through various other platforms and formats, what were some of the precautions and things that you were doing in your office to try and keep yourself and keep patients safe? Well, we actually shut the clinic down for a few weeks where we weren't bringing any patients in. And that's when we started doing appointments over telephone and the very beginning of the telehealth appointments. And there was lots of glitches because it was brand new for everybody. But we were uh, were just kind of sitting around with no patients for a few weeks. And then I remember we started allowing 25% of our regular patient load to come in. And then it went up to 50 And it's still not 100%. We're still doing a significant amount of our patient care through e-visits, my chart messages, telehealth, telephone visits. I would say uh, easily 25% of our visits are still virtual. Well, and I know I (laughs) I kept pleading with patients in the beginning, look, there's glitches. I'm not a tech person either. I'm going to try my best. 
try your best. We'll just do what we can. And there were a couple of times where we had sort of videos going and landlines and all sorts of things. So I have to say I, I've improved over time with how I can help people troubleshoot and how I learned myself to do some of the video visits and, and telemedicine visits. But uh, you're absolutely right. You know, this was a different change to what we were doing here locally in the islands. Now, over the summer, people weren't really traveling as much. They weren't going around and, and seeing their, doing their usual summer vacations. This seemed to have affected everybody's plans for all of 2020. Tell me about what's changed for you. Were you planning on going somewhere? I know one of the things that I always admire about you is that you have uh, flexibility and you love to travel and go places. Were, did you have any trips that were canceled or postponed? Yes. I was supposed to go skiing in Whistler in March for St. Patrick's Day. I'm friends with the Irish band that plays at the pub there. And the week before I was supposed to go, I um, found out through the grapevine that Vail Resorts was going to, they were going to shut down all their resorts. And I wasn't really worried about not getting to ski. I was worried about getting stuck outside the country because Whistler is in Canada. And so I canceled that trip myself. And then in May, I was supposed to get go to Italy. And first, you know, how that didn't turn out. And uh, I was supposed to um, take some other trips over the summer. And, of course, ended, not, ended up not going anywhere all summer long. Yeah, I think a Just lot of folks are in the same boat. Fever. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, a couple of months ago, you were exposed to COVID. Tell me about what happened. Okay, well, I will just put it out there for everyone's awareness and let this be a lesson learned from me. I caught COVID through a social gathering. It was a very small social gathering. There were seven of us total, but one, and it was it was within my inner bubble, you know, people who were like Hanai family to me, but one of them had COVID and of course didn't know. And so all seven of us had COVID at the same time. And fortunately for me, my case was very mild. I didn't even get a fever. But I did have little sore throat, hoarseness, cough. I lost my sense of taste and smell. And that lasted a little less than a week. Um, didn't have the fever or the aches, but a couple of my friends did end up in the hospital and had to go home on oxygen. So, you know, it, it can be a big deal, even for people who are healthy. Well, and I think you brought oh. up a really good point. These were people in your bubble. You know, and when you got that's together right. with those other mm -hmm. six people, nobody had symptoms. I mean, it's that's what we're mm -hmm. seeing is some recent statistics that I read coming out of the World Health Organization said maybe upwards of 60% of transmission might be in people who have no symptoms. So truthfully, it's not like you're going to a gathering and you see somebody in the corner that's, you know, coughing or sneezing or sniffling. No, everybody looks great. They say they feel great. And it's those two or three days before people have symptoms that they're most likely to be transmitting it without even knowing it. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened here. The, um, the index case in our bubble had symptoms 36 hours after our gathering. So he was in that two-day period of time where he's contagious but not having any symptoms. And That's dangerous because you have no idea. Right. And they, you know, it's truly innocent. I think one of the things that happens is you don't realize that you're the person who has it. 
Now, how did you get notified? Did the person who had it tell everybody, hey, I was diagnosed, and did you all subsequently go get tested? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And, and, and as soon as we heard the word from him, we all put ourselves into quarantine because we knew, you know. So even if we couldn't get tested over that weekend, we still quarantined ourselves because that's just the responsible thing to do. Well, and that's and really then we smart. all subsequently got tested and we were all positive. Yeah, just if anybody has any thoughts, well, should I, should I not? Yes, just stay home and self-quarantine if you're not sure, particularly if you can't get tested yet or if you're waiting for test results. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, I'm going to continue my discussion with Dr. Nancy Smiley, and we'll talk about how long it took to recover and what some of her friends might have experienced, as we know that the infection can be different for different people. And then we're going to talk some more about what's it like to get the vaccine. We'll be right back. After this quick break, stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Hawaii Naturopathic Retreat Center. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Dr. Nancy Smiley on the line. She is one of my great colleagues at Straub Medical Center and unfortunately had the unique experience of getting coronavirus, but then luckily also getting the coronavirus vaccine. So right before the break, we were talking about small little social gatherings with your bubble. I think that's probably why we're seeing an increase in cases from people who honestly, truthfully thought, I'm going to spend my holidays with my small bubble and it's a small number of people and yet somebody might have just innocently had the infection and not known it. Now, you mentioned that seven out of seven at the gathering developed coronavirus, but you all had differing symptoms. And lucky for you, Nancy, I know that you work really hard to keep yourself healthy and to really try your best to exercise and eat right and follow all those great instructions. You mentioned that you lost your sense of taste and smell and you had a sore throat and you were hoarse, but you never really had the high fevers. What about some of your fellow party goers? So one of my friends in the group actually had fevers every day for two weeks. And they, they weren't they weren't high fevers, you know, just enough to make her feel lousy, you know, 99, 100. Um, and, but then a couple of us didn't get fevers at all. And you mentioned someone got hospitalized. Two of them. Two people got hospitalized. And are they still on oxygen now? No, they've completely recovered. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I do think that there are some folks who, depending on how their immune system reacts to the virus, may have persistent symptoms for a while. I know I've had a couple of patients who have told me they still have yet to recover their sense of taste or smell, and it's been a few months. So it's uh, certainly something that there's a lot of unknowns about this virus and a lot of things that we're just not clear about what to give people guidance about. What do you do if you can't Mm -hmm. taste or smell? I'm sure when you had that, even just for a few short days or a week or so, it just you didn't want to eat, you didn't want to... You just had no appetite. Well, you know, it's so strange. Usually when I get sick, I lose my appetite. But with COVID, my appetite was normal. And maybe that's just because I wasn't very sick. But so I was I was still eating. I just couldn't really taste what I was, what I was eating. Um, coffee just tastes like water. 
Interesting. It was just the oddest thing. You know, I had I had a very strange symptom that I had not heard of before, but since it happened to me, I've heard of it several times. I had ringing in the ears. Interesting. I've had a couple of folks who have described that, but you know, they didn't they didn't associate it with the infection. So, how long did that last? Mm-hmm. Uh, lasted about two weeks, and then gradually just went away. And then I just noticed it wasn't there anymore. And it wasn't a big deal, but I don't normally have tinnitus, so it was really strange. But, you know, coronavirus can be neurotoxic. I've talked to a few of my patients who have gotten numbness or tingling or, of course, headaches, and then the uh, olfactory and taste loss. So just really interesting, the symptoms people get from it. It ended up turning out to be more than the flu, like what we thought at the beginning. Yeah, that's that's very true. And I think in the very beginning, when we heard about some of the symptoms, they seem so similar to what we would experience with, you know, the flu that everybody thought maybe it'll be similar, but some unique oddities about this infection. And we certainly know that the capacity for hospitalizing folks and even causing serious harm or even death is much greater than we've seen with influenza in the past. So certainly a word to the wise and, and caution that everyone is trying to focus on and and try and keep everybody safe. So now after you had the infection and you recovered, were you back to your usual energy level? Were you able to get back to do everything that you used to do immediately, or did it take a little while? I was, fortunately. I went back to work on a Thursday, and the following Monday I was back on the bike riding the roads. And I I went slower for the first week just out of precaution, but I felt great, actually. I bounced back really quickly, and I didn't expect that. Yeah, that's to your credit, because I know some folks have, and other folks have not bounced back as quick as you described. Now, that was back in, what was it, like September, October time? That was that was back in October. October. And so holidays came, and I gather that you didn't gather. You didn't have meetings no. with or, or <laughs> as small little parties with your bubble, although, you know, now that your whole I bubble was, no. yeah, was infected, <laughs> you kind of were almost safe around one another, but that was the only... The only group that would probably be able to to do that. So tell me about the vaccine, because that's something that I'm excited to say is rolling out in the community. And we've seen medical centers start to recommend that people get vaccinated. And I know that Castle Medical Center has already started vaccinating some of their uh, first responders and also some of the folks in the windward side over the age of 75 HPH, Hawaii Pacific Health, is going to start a vaccination program soon, and there's some information on their website for people to get more information. And I think MyChart, which is a patient messaging portal, is also going to to let people know when they're due and able to get the vaccine. And I know Queens Medical Center is going to start a vaccination program in a week or two. So lots of big medical centers are starting to get out there to promote getting vaccinated. Department of Health has made recommendations. The CDC has given guidance on different tiers and levels of people based on their risk of getting infected. What were your thoughts when you heard that the vaccine was here? And were you excited, an early adopter, wanting to get it? Or were you thinking, hey, I've had the infection, maybe I maybe I don't need to? What kind of went through your mind and what sort of research did you do when you heard about the potential for the vaccine? So I was thrilled and excited because I trust science. And I know that there have been more scientific brain cells working on this one vaccine 
than any other shots in history combined. And I think that this is actually the way we're going to reopen the world. So I couldn't wait to get the vaccine. And, you know, some people with COVID, especially mild cases like mine, may not necessarily have a lot of immunity or antibodies. And so I didn't want to take the chance of skipping the shot and then maybe catching COVID and passing it on to one of my patients. And so I had it as soon as I could. I got my first shot on December 17th. Well, and I I agree entirely. You're right about the question about the immunity and whether or not you would have had enough immunity. But the other aspect is you're you're in that group of people. You're a primary care provider. You're seeing patients. And even though you are doing some telephone and video visits, you know, these days we're bringing people back into the office. So I kind of feel like for healthcare providers, it's it's our responsibility and duty to step up and say we're eligible to take the vaccine and we don't want to in any way endanger our patients. And if we're going to ask them to do it, we're going to step up and do it ourselves. So it's uh, it's I think it's a good thing that people have said, hey, I'm going to get the vaccine. So the shot that you got was the Pfizer shot? It was, right. I got the first one on December 17th as part of the HPH vaccine um, shot clinic over at the main facility by King Street. And I was so impressed. It was so easy. <laughs> Just You walked in. They we had, had us in a line, socially distanced, at least six feet apart. And everybody had their act together. I was so impressed with the very first clinic. And they were that streamlined. And you had an appointment. I'm sure it's just gotten better since. An appoint- you had an appointment so you knew what time to go? And... Yes, exactly. Right. I, I think now you can make your appointment online, but I actually made mine through the call center because that's back before they were able to book the appointments online. Well, I think that's one way that we're trying to make sure that everybody doesn't go to one location. I know we've we've learned from other states. You know, there were some descriptions in the news of how other states have handled the vaccine rollout. I know there were some concerns about how it might have been handled, the initial vaccine rollout in Florida, which, you know, everybody's truthfully, you know, everybody's doing their best. They're trying their best to do what they can to make sure that everyone gets the vaccine. But having some seniors feel like they had to stand in line for hours, probably not something that anybody else wants to replicate. So I know that we're learning from one another. So you're right, scheduling an appointment and having that special time set up so that you can arrive and wait as short as possible, but also the socially distanced line and making sure that people are able to get in touch with you and and I mean, they're, they're able to call you if you had any side effects or had any problems. They really did keep a close watch on trying to keep things very well organized. And I know that all medical centers, you know, we've done flu shots. This is a slightly different vaccine, but they are really working on trying to keep everybody safe and protected as much as possible. So did you have any side effects from the shot? So I did. With my first shot, I had some pretty significant side effects. I felt great that afternoon, but that night I went swimming and I never get cold. I mean, my friends tease me. I'm so warm natured. And I got out of the water and I'm like shivering. And then I knew, well, this is from the shot. And then that night I actually came down with rigors and chills and a fever of 101.9. Um, but by the next day I was fine. And, you know, I took some Tylenol, some ibuprofen. And uh, that just took care of all my side effects. And in a way, I'm so I'm so happy I had side effects because it means the shot's working. My immune system was stimulated, and for sure, I've got antibodies. 
Well, that's definitely a good sign, particularly as we do start to open up. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, I'm going to talk with Dr. Nancy Smiley about how her first and second shot continue to go and what are some of the unusual side effects of the COVID shot that might be something you wouldn't expect. We'll be right back. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Nancy Smiley of Straub Medical Center, and we're talking about what's it like to be a doctor and get covid and then also to get the vaccine. Right before the break, you mentioned that, you know, you went swimming the day after or the day you got the shot. And the next day you had some side effects that probably would have happened even if you hadn't gone swimming. And that some ibuprofen helped to curtail that. Now, when you got your second shot, what did you do differently? So my second shot, I got at 11 a.m. And then right after lunch, I took 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. And I got a little achy the next day, but I didn't have the fever. I didn't have the chills or riders. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't feel like with the first shot that somebody had beaten me overnight. <laughs> it, was, it was much milder with the second shot. And I can't say if it's because I preemptively took ibuprofen or if it just was going to be milder anyway. Well, and I know some people will probably have to talk to their provider to make sure that if they are going to pre or even post medicate before or after the vaccine, they just make sure they're taking something that's safe for them. But uh, I do understand ibuprofen can help to reduce fevers and body aches, and it would not necessarily have any negative outcome on your body's ability to build up the antibodies, which is really the key. That's what we all want to have these days is antibodies against coronavirus. Now, when you got your second shot, this was just recently, did you, mm-hmm. did you get a sense of just kind of relief in a way? I was reading an article earlier today about the side effect of the COVID shot nobody talks about. And the side effect, which I was expecting to be, you know, maybe some kind of weird tingling or something like that, turned out to be a huge sigh of relief. The idea that mm-hmm. you're protected and you still are going to wear a mask and do social distancing, but we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. And, you know, after my first shot even, immediately, I just felt this profound sense of pride. I was so proud. You know, I'm I'm so fortunate I was able to get this shot. So I actually posted it on Facebook, and I'm still wearing my little sticker that says, I got my COVID vaccine. Yeah, I got a collection of a couple of the stickers, and I thought, I'm just going to wear them a bunch. But I do think that it's, you You mentioned it earlier, the scientific community internationally came together and said, we're all going to put all of our efforts into this because it's that important worldwide. And some amazing results have come about. We've seen shots from a whole bunch of different companies, some of which have yet to receive FDA approval, but probably will shortly. And I think we're seeing a new way to look at the hopefully prevention of future pandemics, but also the coordination and collaboration of efforts to provide the scientific basis for which to establish a whole new vaccine mechanism. You know, we're talking about messenger RNA vaccines, which are different than the type of vaccines that we have utilized in the past for other 
infections or diseases like measles, mumps, rubella, uh, you know, chicken pox, et cetera. So you're right. I, I get the sense of being proud that we were able to hopefully come up with something within a year that didn't take as long as everyone expected. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've had a couple of people ask me, well, how do you know it's safe? And my answer to them is, if there's any chance the shot wasn't safe, do you think they would immunize the majority of the physicians on this island within one week? Yeah, that's a good point, because I that mean, wouldn't have been so smart if it wasn't safe. <laughs> really mm-hmm. good point. But I really do think it's safe. I've been following the science, and, you know, other than the side effects, um, I, I really haven't heard of any negative outcomes other than just maybe a handful of severe allergic reactions. Well, and there are some folks who have allergies, and so they have to be extra careful even when they get flu shots or when they have any new exposure to something. So you're right. There are some people who have had allergy responses to it. You know, millions of doses have been given worldwide now, so I'm very optimistic that we have not seen any significant major problems and that hopefully over time, you know, most vaccines, if they're going to give you a side effect, it's going to be early on. It's not going to be years later, so I'm hopeful that we will see continued immunity. Now, I'm curious, now that you've been vaccinated and we hopefully will see the state get vaccinated pretty soon and people will be able to travel and go places and do things, what's the first thing that you want to do that you haven't been able to? Go skiing. (laughs) Time to ski again. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I think for a lot of folks, it's, it's enjoying themselves outdoors, doing some kind of athletic activity and gathering with loved ones that they haven't been able to to see recently because trying to protect themselves and protect their loved ones against potential exposure. It's curious to me just to think back even a year ago where we were at. Picture us a year from now. Just project out how things are going to go in 2022. Any Any wild ideas of how things could be different? Well, unfortunately, I have heard quite a few people say they're not going to get the shot or they're going to wait and see what happens. And I'm afraid that we're still going to have pockets of COVID-19 all over the place because we're not going to have enough herd immunity because of these people who refuse to get their shot. So I'm very afraid of that. That really has the potential to prolong this pandemic. And I think it's really irresponsible and selfish on their part, because it's not just about them, it's about everyone. Well, I I echo your concerns. I know that particularly some of the seniors who have been, you know, sort of locked down in a way in some of the care facilities that are doing their absolute best to try and avoid having any exposure to the residents, they've certainly missed out a lot on different ways to spend time with their family and loved ones. And they're the population that it's at the greatest risk of getting hospitalized and having adverse side effects or outcomes from getting infected. We're we're trying to protect them. We're trying to do our best. And that means everybody has to do their part. So I I kind of feel like you do. I hope at some point we won't always have to wear masks. But, you know, it seems crazy now when I think back that we used to tell sick people to come into the office when they're sick and not wear a mask. And now I think, you know, telemedicine is going to fix that problem. We're going to be smarter about that. But uh, still doing our social distancing and wearing masks and staying home when we're sick and respecting the idea of sick leave so we don't expose other people in the office. I think this pandemic has taught us a lot. If you were to mention the one thing it's taught you the most, 
what would that be? And I know this is putting you on the spot big time, but what do you think you've learned the most since this entire pandemic started? Oh, the importance of being with other humans. Social interaction. You know, I just took it for granted and uh, really missed interacting with other people during the pandemic. Well, I would agree with you on that, and hopefully we'll be able to have you in the studio so that we can do this instead of, we've done a great job here at HPR trying to keep everyone safe, but it'll be nice to have my guests sit across from me, and I think that'll be a great change. I really want to thank you for taking your time out of your day to share with us your experience, Dr. Smiley, and I do encourage people to look at the website of their medical center, whether it be Hawaii Pacific Health, Straub Medical Center, Polymomi, Kapiolani, Queens Medical Center, Castle Medical Center, Wahiwa, etc., across the islands to see about getting the vaccination and when your turn is next. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on our website and follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week right here on The Body Show. See you then. Thank mm-hmm. you.